0: Hello church family, thank you for joining us for another message from Res Life Holland. We hope this sermon encourages you in your walk with Jesus and empowers you to live the life God has for you. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Today I want to, to open with 1 Corinthians 14.1. It says this, it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now, this verse tells us to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Not just prophecy, but especially prophecy. It says, desire spiritual gifts. When we talk about spiritual gifts, a lot of Christians have a misconception. And I don't know if it was expressly taught to them or if they just caught this idea. But the thinking is, well, some of us have certain spiritual gifts, some of us don't. It just happens, and if I've got that one, I'm stuck with it, Um, I'll automatically be in it, and if I don't happen to have that manifest in my life, it must be that God didn't give it to me. But let's go back and read this again. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says we are to eagerly desire them. Why? I mean, just imagine me as a father. If I said to my kid, you know, his birthday's coming up, and I just totally get him all excited, eagerly desire something, and then I just don't give it to him. Nope, I'm sorry. I got you all excited about that, but you're not getting anything. No, no, no. I'm getting you something totally different. That would be a really crummy thing for a parent to do, right? Get your kid all excited, eagerly desire this, and they'll be like, no, you have no way of achieving that. I'm not gonna get you that, there's no way. No, the reason that God says to eagerly desire the gifts is because when we do, they will be more manifest in our lives. Now, it is true that God has given us different gifts and that that we, we won't have the exact same manifestations of those gifts as someone else. But there is still value and instruction in Scripture saying to eagerly desire them. Now, the other thing is when we think of the spiritual gifts, we often think of prophecy and healing, miracles, right? And by the way, Pastor Emily did a really good job with the Empower doing teachings on the various gifts. So if you go to our YouTube channel and you want to get some teaching on the various gifts, um, look it up there. We have, uh, I think you can find it in the playlist both for When Emily Taught as well as uh, the series and in the Empower. You can find those and listen. Um, Men, you have my permission to listen to the ladies' meetings in there because it's good, good stuff. So, but today... I want to talk about one in particular. So we're going to read in 1 Corinthians 12, and there are multiple, by the way, there are multiple lists in the New Testament of the spiritual gifts. Each list is slightly different, some overlap, Um, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and 1 Peter 4 both all mention them. But here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 says, and God has placed in the church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles. Than gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and different types of tongues. When we listen to that list, most of us gravitate towards apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, healings. And then there is the gift of helping. How many of you even didn't even notice that it was there? Like as you're reading along, you know, of helping, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just such a, like, passive word, to help. I mean, you're not doing it, you're helping. Really? You know, I, I think a little bit about sports. And, you know, who is the, the MVP, the most valuable player? And we think it's, it's the person who made the most points. But is it? Did they make those points by themselves? You know, I have kids who are in hockey. Uh, One of my sons, well, both of them play defense usually, but the one son is always on the defensive. That's the position that he plays. He stops the other team from making goals. Sometimes he makes goals, but that's not the role that he's been given but they have something they call an assist when he passes it to the person who makes the goal. And you know what was intriguing to me? At the ice rink, they have what they call open skate, where, or uh, what is it, it's the puck. Stick and puck, that's what they call it. Stick and puck, where players come and they pay to get in and play. There is one position that they allow in for free. Guess what? It's not the power forward. It's not someone who makes goals regularly. It's the goalie. If you are a goalie and you want to play, they let you in for free. Turns out the most desired position isn't the one out there making the goals. It's someone who's helping stop the other team. I just always thought that was fascinating. Even in Christian life, sometimes we... We sort of, uh, what's the word? We like romanticize certain gifts. But there's no evidence in Scripture that God does that. In fact, it seems the opposite. God says it is our treatment of others that defines who we are. He said in John 13, 35, he says, By this, everyone will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. What does love do? We know the love chapter talks about how love is selfless, and it gives. When when Jesus was, was approached, and they said, Okay, we've been told to love our neighbor, but, but who's our neighbor? I mean, how many houses down do you have to go before I don't have to love them anymore because they're not my neighbor, they're someone else's neighbor? And Jesus responded with the story of the Good Samaritan. How many remember that story? And he basically points out, the person you least would have considered your neighbor, the person from that city over there, from that ethnic group that your ethnic group ignores and ostracizes, that person, if they need help. They're and then he says that we are identified by that. There are people celebrated in the New Testament for their helpfulness. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. How many of you guys, like, had Dorcas as, like, your spiritual hero? Of course, in English, that's just an unfortunate name. But... We'll go with Tabitha. In Romans 16, 3-4, it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Jesus Christ. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but for all the church and the Gentiles are grateful to them. What did Aquila and Priscilla do? We read about them elsewhere. They They were tent makers. They were lay people who were helping There are so many people in our church who don't see their role as important because it's not the superstar role, and that, that's just baloney. First, or Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men. We as Christians have been called to serve. We are not just called, we are gifted. Jesus, Matthew 20, 25, and 28 says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. Higher officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, in my kingdom, in my church, in my body, I don't want you guys to consider the greatest to be the person who gets receives the most service, the person highest up who gets Served, but I want you to redefine what greatness is and recognize greatness comes from serving. He says, I didn't come to serve. I, can't, or, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. That word to serve is the same word translated minister. When someone says that they're a minister, what do you think? The the word they're using is that they are a servant. But we don't attach that connotation to the word minister. But that's what it means. We minister. Jesus says, I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to minister to you. The Bible says that servanthood comes before success. If we were to boil Christianity down, it is about giving and serving. So I want to talk a little bit about service. You and I were created for service. Ephesians two ten says, "Are God's handiwork, created." in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Literally, God has prepared for us opportunities to serve. I don't... I don't. As a pastor, I'm always tempted to use my kids as illustrations, and I don't want to be too much, so I'm just going to make it generic. How many have ever noticed that sometimes some kids do everything they can to avoid having to help? It's part of our, our, our nature as humans to try and figure out you know, how to make things easy for ourselves. And I've had this conversation with my kids. I'm like, look, in our case, we have six kids, so there are eight of us in the house. I said, if everyone is purposely avoiding helping each other, only trying to serve, only picking up their own little mess, then and, and avoid then it's it's going to leave just too much. We need to serve. Each other. Is this cutting out too much? Should I need to switch to a handheld? Yeah, hand, which one should I use? Can I use this one? All right, hold on. Okay, we'll switch to this. All right. We are created for service. God prepared these things for us. He planned these things for us. But some of us are, like, actively avoiding them, thinking, well, that's beneath me, or that's not necessary. You have a power in you. How many of you have ever found a flashlight in your junk drawer after, like, a year or two? All right, you chuckle, because... You know what happened. Inside of that flashlight were some batteries filled with energy. And nobody did anything with that energy. And what did it do? It corroded, it it burst out, and you open that thing up, and there's all this crud in there. In some cases, it's so bad that even when you put good batteries in, it doesn't work. (laughs) I still remember when I think about this, I always remember this story. So we're just going to sidetrack. I went to this village in, way back in the mountains in Mexico. I think we got there, it was either, I think it was the year after they got electricity for the first time. So this village had been years and years without electricity. That, mean, that meant everyone there was very familiar with battery-operated items and preserving them to the best of their ability. So we're there with a group of teenagers, and we're staying at this house. And every day when they would get back, the the little alarm clock that one of them had would have the batteries out and sitting next to it. Well, of course, then you have to reset the clock. And, And this teenager was like, why is someone pranking me? Why is someone taking the batteries out? And I had to explain, no, someone is trying to save your batteries for you. Because they recognize that you weren't using it when you were gone all day. And they were used to maximizing battery power because they've lived without electricity for most of their life. Here's the thing. You and I are like those batteries. We were created to serve. If we do not serve, we are not fulfilling our function. And in a sense, we will, we will corrode. We will no longer function as we were designed to function because we refuse to function as we were designed. We have this idea that if I serve, I'll run out of energy. But that's not the way God made us. In fact, in a sense, I'd like to pick you to picture yourself not as a battery that has exactly 2 hours worth of energy. But a magnet. Ever noticed that magnets just stick? I mean, there's there's energy in there. But you don't conserve the number of times you stick the magnet to the fridge. Right? Its very nature is that of attracting metal. Our very nature designed by God is that of serving and giving. We've mentioned it before, but sociologists have over and over done studies trying to figure out what makes people happy. Is it having money? Is it having fame? Is it... Is it, and each time, it keeps coming back to living for a purpose outside of themselves. Those who give to others, who, who give of their life to fulfill other people, a, a purpose outside of themselves, those are the people who are truly happy. We were created for service. Second Timothy 1.9 says, It is God who has called us and chose us For his holy work. We were literally chosen by God. For the purpose of serving. What is that holy work? What? Why? Here's my question for you. Why are you here this morning? Why did you go to a Bible study? Ever. What was the, the purpose? How many of you guys have ever been to a gym and seen people working out? Why? Is, are, are they there simply so that tomorrow they can lift a heavier weight there? Some of them might be, but not usually. Why do you go? Why? You want to be better equipped to handle life. You want to be healthier. You want to live a more fulfilling life. So you are lifting weights to improve the rest of your life. If we just build our Bible biceps so that we can show everyone how much Bible we know, we've missed the point. I am here training you. You are here learning about what God's word says, not so that you can go back and say, guess what? (laughs) Pastor read us 16 verses today. How many verses did your pastor read? (laughs) No, we're here to learn how to apply God's word in our lives, so that we can serve. So that we can do the good works that we were created by God to do. The fruit of the Spirit are so that we can better serve the body. I fill myself with God's Word so that when I go out in life, I am less likely to get angry. When a situation comes up at work And I have an opportunity To be a witness Remember we talked I think it was last week We talked about When when you have God's character Inside of you And you have meditated on God's word so much That you don't react The way that anyone and everyone else Would have reacted That's when your testimony is the brightest Why am I building my Bible muscles Not just to have I've memorized this many verses. No, but it's because I want to be filled with character, God's character, so that I can serve without take getting offended. So I can turn the other cheek without being bitter about it. So that I don't grow weary. The Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good. That's what my Bible muscles are for. My Bible muscles are to help me serve. I used to think that the word called meant you were a preacher or a missionary or some full-time Christian service. No. Are those people called? Yes. But so are the people who aren't in that. That's like saying the only player on the entire hockey team who's really playing is the forward because he makes most of the points. His points wouldn't even matter if the goalie just quit. The other team would be outscoring him by who knows how much. Just tons and tons. We are called to good works. We are called to service. God says he, that we should measure ourselves Not by how much service we receive, but our greatness is determined by how much service we render. Paul says in Galatians 1.15, God in his grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve him. Say it with me. I was called to serve serve the Lord. You are. You have been called to serve. There is no question about that. First Peter 4.10, God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. Let's read that again. God has given each of you, how many of us? Each, all, every, cada uno, tous, all of them, special abilities. Be sure to use them for what? To help each other. As Christians, we should become skilled at recognizing opportunities to serve have you ever have you ever been somewhere when someone was really good at serving and recognizing a need offering to help when you didn't expect them to offer to help just think for a moment of a time when someone offered you assistance that was not expected Whether you were on the side of the road in a rainstorm trying to change a tire. Or whether you were simply trying to get from your car into the office with too many things in your hands. And someone offers to help. Now, I want you to picture a time when someone should have helped and didn't. You know I was I was trying to think of an example and, uh, of someone who was like an employee who was supposed to help, and then they kind of didn 't and the first one that came to my mind was a few weeks ago we went to uh, Emily and I went to a hotel on the east side of town or east side of, east side of state excuse me and we got there and there was a mix up got there too late, they gave away our room, and so then they brought us to the hotel next door to to put us in and the gentleman who was helping us was waiting for the person in front of us to finish with someone. And he, he, is, he is serving these people and he's getting their things all straightened up and it, there had been some sort of minor mix-up. And he's like, what, you know, what can we do for you? Go in there, we've got this little store. Go pick anything you want out of there. You can have whatever you'd like. And there, the, the, the mix-up was minor. And then our attendant starts to help us. And he gets there, and I'm thinking, okay, he's going to do the same for us because we had a major. And I'm standing there holding a bottled water as I'm waiting. And when he finishes, he's like, here, have a bottle of water. And that was it. I was like, I don't think he understands service. I mean, he literally stood by and watched the other guy exemplify going the extra mile, and then it didn't cross his mind. But we see that. There is a natural response that we have to being served. When someone genuinely serves you with a good heart, what does that do? It softens you. God has called us to do that. We we have been given special abilities, and God says, use those to help others. I don't know what your special abilities are. Some of you, it's, it's a friendly disposition. It's kindness. It's a big smile. Others of you are extremely gifted at at something perhaps mechanical. And that you're able to help others accomplish things they couldn't. Some of you could be technological. Others could be. But God says, whatever special abilities you have, I gave you those so that you would use them to serve others. The more we serve, the greater we become. Romans 12.6 says, We all have different gifts according to the grace that is given unto us. But we looked, and among those gifts is the gift of helping. We are to pursue apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healings, helping, guidance, and tongues. We are called to serve. We are also commanded to serve. Matthew 10, 28 says, Your attitude must be like my own, for I do not come to be served, but to serve. This is Jesus saying, you need to have this attitude, the attitude of serving others, not being served. Now, all of us here have that same human nature that says, but, but if I serve, if I give, don't I run out? Now, is it possible to overdo it? Yeah, but not the way that you're thinking. When we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Many of us don't serve, we don't give, because we're afraid of what will happen. It's the same reason we don't give of our time, we don't give of ourselves, we don't give of our money. Why? Because we say to ourselves, well, if I give, I won't have. But this is what God said about our money. And I believe he says the same thing about our gifts and our time and our talents. He said, try me. Give. Give and you will see that I will pour out, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I will bless you. When you give of your finances, God blesses your finances. When we give of ourselves, God blesses us. We don't, there are so many parallels. God doesn't say, give me all of your money. Does he? No. God didn't say you can't do anything except serve. But he says, make that your first priority. He says, before you do everything for yourself with your finances, first carve out that first 10th and give that to me and you'll see that I'll bless it. I believe the same principle applies when it comes to giving and serving. That we, when we give, God blesses what was given. He multiplies what is left behind increases the impact and the potency of the time that's left over for ourselves. And he says, pressed down, shaking together, running over, he'll find the way to pay us back. Matthew 10:28, Jesus said, "Oh, I read that. Sorry. Human nature wants to be served. That's the condition of of our human nature. But that's not spiritual maturity. A little kid, infants, they only see themselves. They scream, they cry, they wail. A 10-month-old doesn't think about other people. How does their desires impact someone else? But as they mature, as they grow, they learn. We as Christians need to get past that baby state. We are a part of the body. We belong to him. And we've been called to be useful In serving others, because it is God's desire that his body serve the world. Romans 7.4 says, So my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to one another, or to another, to him, who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. Let's read that again. He says, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you may belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Why Why was Jesus raised from the dead? In order that we might bear fruit for God. He was raised from the dead to empower you and I To bear fruit. We have been called to serve. The Bible compares us to to parts of the body. He says, you know, you can be a hand, you can be a foot. When does the hand say, well, I'm not an ear, so I'm not a part of the body. No, imagine if tomorrow morning your liver said, I want to eat, but I don't want to provide any services to the body. What if any part of your body just decided at some point, I'm going to take, but I'm not going to give. You know what we call that? Cancer. That's what cancer is. Cancer is when the cells of a particular organ stop providing the service that they were supposed to and just take and multiply. You and I are called to be functioning parts of the body. But this is not a doomsday message of, guess what? You haven't been doing your chores. I really hope nobody walks away from this being like, well, pastor reminded us of our chores today. We gotta go back we're supposed to be doing our chores, spiritual chores. No. We were created for the purpose, called for the purpose, commanded to the purpose of serving others. And when we do that, we will be fulfilled. Think about all the times that the disciples, when they would obey. You know, at first, it looks like That's not going to work. The disciples come to to Jesus and they say, you know what? We, We need to pay our taxes, but we do not have any money. And Jesus says, go fishing. Well, I like to fish, but that's not what I was expecting you to say. He goes and the Bible says the first fish he found had in its mouth a coin that would cover the taxes. They obeyed and then they saw the provision. Remember the story of the, the, the priests when they got to the river, Jordan, they were supposed to cross. God said he'd open it up, but they first had to start walking out. And once their feet got wet, then the waters parted. When Jesus says, give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken and together and running over. You know what he didn't say? When I give... You, when I press down, shake together, running over, when you win the lottery, then give. That's not what he said. He said, give and then I'll bless. Not after getting mega blessed. Well, then it's, it's your turn to give. He says, no, you give and then you'll get mega blessed. So many of us sit back wondering, imagining what it's going to be like. You know what? If I serve I'm going, to be, I'm going to be drained. If I serve, I'm not going to be able to. I'm, maybe next time. We are called to serve. Now, you, don't, you can serve outside of the church. The church just doesn't have like a monopoly on service at all. But we do have a lot of opportunities to serve. I was just asking, we need, like right now, we need some volunteers to be at the information desk in between services. Right now, we need volunteers for the children's ministry and the nursery ministry for both services. Now, one of the blessings we have of of having two services is you could serve, you can come, listen, be fed, and then serve in the other. We, We need people in the second service. To watch the kids, you don't have to be fluent in Spanish. We we need that. We need people to man the check-in. We need people to volunteer in the cafe, before, between, and after services. We we have. How many of you have ever been in there and had a donut, coffee? Does anybody not know that that was there? If you didn't know. Every Sunday morning, we have tables over there. We have a place to fellowship, to get together, to, to, to spend some time getting to know your fellow people in there and have a little sugar and some caffeine. <laughs> but you know what? It takes volunteers. We need more ushers. We need more greeters. We need people to help on baptism Sundays, Well, that's not even every week. That's less than once a month. But we need people who will come and help set things up and help tear things down because we got that big tub that we bring in here. We have so many opportunities. And that's just the ones right here in the church. There's also your neighbor, your co-worker, the students with you, whoever else. We have opportunities all around us. Jesus said about giving, test me in this. Try me. The Bible shows us that it is after obedience that the supernatural power of God comes in and changes the situation. When Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, the, the messenger of the Lord stopped him and said, because you did this, I will bless you. So often the supernatural help that we're looking for is just on the other side of obedience. And we're wits, we're standing around waiting. You know what I'm going, and it's just like, God, when, when I win the lottery, then I'm gonna give. You know what? When, when I have so much time on my hands that I don't know what to do with it, then I'm going to serve. You know what? COVID proved that wrong. <laughs> you want to know something? I have talked to countless pastors. This is what has happened. Church attendance went down. church volunteerism went downer, went even further down. People had more time, and they invested less of it serving. And what I feel like is that that new normal, which we hate that term, of doing less has lowered a bar. I want to challenge you. Raise that bar back up. Not just here in the church. We, we want volunteers. We need more volunteers. We have lots of, of areas where we could use your help. But we don't have a, a, a monopoly on that. There are so many other places that you can, in your life, you can serve. And I am excited to hear the testimonies of what will happen. Because when we obey, that's when the supernatural kicks in. That's when the fish has the coin. That's when the blessing comes. After we get our feet wet, then we see God move. If we're standing back waiting for him to move before we take our first step, we'll be standing back for a long time. So I encourage you, step forward. I'm going to close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you have made it clear in your word that you have a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us, that you have, the word says, fashioned good works in advance for us to do. Lord, I pray that through the guidance of your Holy Spirit, you would direct us, you would highlight those works to each of us. And then I pray for the boldness to step out and engage in those acts of service. We are called to help. It is a spiritual gift, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. If you're here today and you know that you're right with God, your sins are forgiven, raise your hand. If you see these hands go up and you're like, well, how does everybody know? I mean, I'm hoping. The Bible says know that you have salvation. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus died on the cross and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. This is a promise of God. If you're watching online, if you're listening to us anywhere and you don't have that confidence, you don't know that your relationship is right with God. Maybe it used to be somewhere you were proud of, but you've walked away. Maybe you've never accepted God's forgiveness. I wanna give you the opportunity to do what that scripture says today. With every eye closed, just a moment, I'm gonna ask you, if that's you and you want to make a decision for the Lord today, raise your hand and we're gonna pray. If there's someone watching online, we want... To walk through that with you. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father. We believe. That you died on the cross. And rose from the dead. I accept your gift of forgiveness. And I give my life to you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. If that was you in person or online, let us know. If you come down front, I have a book I'd like to give you. It's a short one, but um, it's very helpful. Also, if you're online, we'll get that same resource to you digitally. Just put it something in the comments or a direct message, and we'll make sure that gets to you.